You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode four of the season two of the DNVR Nuggets Serbian Corner. My name is Miroslav Cuk. I am calling from cold Panchevo, Serbia, and I will be joined by an angry pitchfork-carrying mob in a moment. But before that, I just wanted to summarize the trade deadline and player buyout market from the Nuggets' perspective. First of all, if you told me a couple of weeks ago Calvin Booth would trade Bones Highland, Davon Reed, and a second-round pick for Thomas Bryant and Reggie Jackson, I would say that his first season of being a steward to Nikola Jokic's prime years was a complete banger. The Nuggets now have more guys I personally trust in than in any season before, and honestly, it's not close. We have Jamal, KCP, Michael Porter, Gordon, Jokic, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Vlatko, and that's already like, like your top final eight for the playoffs. And add to that, Reggie Jackson has a much more reliable substitution for Bones Highland for this season anyway. And I'm really excited to see how he looks like in the Nuggets uniform. And, you know, that's just a figure of speech. I don't really want to see he, what he looks like. I want to see how he plays for the Nuggets. And also Thomas Bryant, a legit backup five that might even play next to Jokic for a pinch. And so far, he looked pretty serviceable for the Nuggets. That makes you as deep as you need to be. And of course, we still have Zeke Nagy when he returns from his injury recovery. And I'm not forgetting our veterans, Ish, Jeff, and DeAndre. All of them can be counted on for bench minutes in games when guys in front of them on the pecking order are not available to play. The All-Star game is tomorrow. The three-point contest tonight will be Nuggets-less. Nobody outside of Nikola Jokic and Nuggets coaching staff is allowed to step on the court during the whole weekend. So the team should use that nobody-believes-in-us energy and crush their opponents when the time comes. A couple of years ago, Adam Mares asked me on his show whether the Serbs and the Nuggets have the same underdog energy, and I brushed it off by saying we are five-time world champions. So we cannot be underdogs, but I was very wrong. The golden era is now 20 years in the past for Serbian basketball. So Serbians have the same exact en energy like Nuggets basketball. Please don't think of us as favorites and we'll prove you wrong. Okay, that's enough rant from me. Let me call the first guy up. You've seen him often on this show. Too often, to be honest. 
He is a Nuggets diehard living in the enemy territory in Philadelphia. He is a co-host of the Nuggets podcast called The Dig. And I am still waiting for the new episode since the last one was published, I think, in December 2020. His name is Jeremy Pauly, but call him, I call him just Jer, because, you know, we are close as Brad and Angelina. Whoops. My AI producer tells me that that phrase is outdated. We'll work on it. What up, Jer? Yo. And sorry. And sorry. What's up, Mir? How you doing? <laughs> I, <what's laughs> pretty good, pretty good. Row? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. I, so I was running. The reason I was late to our little pre-chat room, I ran to uh, make an espresso for a little energy. Espresso machine being the last thing I should have, an obnoxious person like me. And um, <laughs> the the thing making the milk and the thing making the espresso both started falling on me. Um, I lost almost all of my espresso, and I was suddenly taken back to uh, Chris Anderson trying to receive a pass under the basket, and the ball just going everywhere. So that's where we're at right now. I'm bringing my Chris Anderson um, Birdman game to this this episode. And also your Nugget Serbia t-shirt. Yes. Yes. Still have it. Um, and it's like one of – I have like six t-shirts, honestly, that I wear. That's it. So this gets worn all the time. Mm. I, 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 I meant you wanted to say that you're really smooth and you're always – wearing the, the button-down shirts, you know, so that's why you don't have uh, a lot of T-shirts, but I guess not. No, it's just because I have zero style, <laughs> uh, which is why I have this T-shirt in the first place. <laughs> okay. I mentioned Philly, and I have a Super Bowl question for you, but before I ask you, I need to call up another Nuggets diehard, the one that likes making football analogies to basketball games. He is calling from New Orleans. Am I right? A co-host of a Rising Nuggets podcast called Four Corners. His name is Peter Martin, but all of you know him as Bucketskins88. What up, Pete? What's up, Miroslav? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, the, the pleasure is all mine. So, uh, I have the two of you living outside of Denver, and we had the Super Bowl recently. So, first of all, a lot of Broncos fans were very hopeful of Philadelphia Eagles winning the Super Bowl, just so the hated Kansas City Cardinals, whatever they're called, would lose the game. And I get, get it for the Broncos fans that don't care for the Nuggets. I know there are plenty of those, but what about the guys who are keyed on the Nuggets and also live in the Embiid land like Jeremy? So first of all, Jeremy, is your neighborhood intact after the riots? And uh, please describe to me your feelings during the Super Bowl. Now, before you answer, I need you to know that I don't care what either of you guys are going to answer to this because I don't care about football. But, you know, this is, this is like the icebreaker question before I put all of you into revolving shark teeth that are my questions and also the KSC front office hiring policy. So, Jeremy. I'm going to take your ball of being uninterested and just put it right back to you. I care nothing about these Philadelphia teams other than, like you pointed out, my house still being there after they win or lose a game. Um, I'm a 49ers fan, and not that you would know this, but the game before the Super Bowl, uh, the 49ers were down to their third-string quarterback, 
and then they got down to their four-string quarterback, and then he even went out. So it was like the worst football game of all time. Uh, definitely the the last one for you to watch if you ever want to try it. So I cared nothing about this Philadelphia stuff. What about you, Peter? What were your feelings about the, the Super Bowl game? Uh, yeah, I, I watched the last five minutes, but I wasn't really that into it either. Um, yeah, I don't like either team. Um, honestly, like NFL is it's okay, but I'm way more into college, so yeah. Okay, okay, not not very impressed by Super Bowl, just like I am, and that that's very fine for me. Okay, it is time to bring in one more diehard, a guy who hasn't appeared on any podcast for way too long, the only guy actually currently living in Colorado in today's show. He is the other co-host of the Dig world champion in Nuggets haiku and also the writer of the only Nuggets mockumentary so far called Breaking Basketball and his name is Nick Herzog. What's crack-lacking, Nick? What's up, buddy? It's good to be back on with you. We've been trying to make it happen for a while now. I yeah. got sick on the last one. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was COVID, but it was... So I got... And I was going to try to power through and of course I got like laryngitis, like the one thing I couldn't like work around so i apologize for that it's been a few months in the making but it's good to be back on i i, I can see you're in your bed cave now yeah i got a a new uh studio kind of in the works down here it's still kind of in pieces a little bit but it's a good nerd cave okay we have a bunch of stuff to cover today so i want to keep the things rolling fast so let me start with peter Knowing the CBA rules, you know, how it works, the limitations of contracts and trades and everything. When you compare the Nuggets roster at the end of last season and how they look right now, could you realistically expect Nuggets roster to be better today than it actually is? And I only mean, about, you know, about the roster construction, not like the, the accents and O's. Um, I don't really think so. I mean, but... You know, basketball, there's only five guys on the court, so one player can really swing things a lot. Um, I was pretty nervous on, like, day two of the offseason. Um, but then once we signed Bruce Brown, that completely shifted it for me. So I think, uh, you know, that was a home run hire. You know, we don't really know everything going on behind the scenes until it gets announced to us. So maybe the Nuggets were always confident they were going to get Bruce Brown. But, uh, yeah, I think it worked out. I think the, the offseason was, was a home run in terms of fitting what we could fit in with the resources we had available. Does anybody else want to provide a different perspective? You're talking about specifically like the off season, or are you talking about total team construction? Off season plus the trade deadline and the buyout. Yeah. So the final form for this season compared to the end of last season. I mean, I have to give them strong credit, but just for sake of conversation, uh, the Reggie Jackson move, what I was really hoping for in that last piece was somebody with a bit more of um, kind of ball hawkishness, the, the ability to, to shoot over 38% or whatever Reggie Jackson shoots. Um, so I, I like the name that I saw that I really wanted was Terrence Ross. That's a guy that can really get going on his own. For, for, for uh, you know, second uh, bench player, he, he's a guy who can really string along some points when you need it. 
So, so you really miss Will Barton then? Oh, you wanted Barton back. Oh. He's a savvy mofo. He's got some moves. No, really. I love Barton. I love Barton. I hate him, but I love him. <laughs> what about you, Nick? Yeah, and I'd be fine with him as the 12th guy on the bench. Um, a, a glue guy or something. Um, I, he's still got some game left. He probably helped somebody out, but... Um, I, no, overall, like I, I'll take the ro- the roster as as constructed over anybody in the NBA right now. I think, um, so it's hard for me. Like we could, yeah, we could reimagine some some things going a little bit differently or make a tweak here or there. Uh, it's hard to know what the Nuggets' options really even were, especially like within the buyout market. That's going to be a lot on what the player, you know, wants. Um, and and they have more power there. It's not like you can sort of force a trade through. So I, I think they did well. Um, uh, over Overall, I know Nuggets fans were disappointed with some of the big moves that were made, but I I think personally that was most of, mostly because so many teams in the West got better uh, significantly. So in, in some cases, and so it kind of felt like, uh, you know, maybe this window that felt wide open maybe is, has narrowed. But um, when I look at the roster, I still I still prefer the Nuggets, I think. <laughs> at least in the starting five a month ago i said the west is trash because yeah. i don't remember when when the east was uh, so much top uh, so much better you know on the top comparing to the to the west like in the last 20 years i don't remember when it happened the last time but then you get you know just a couple of all-stars from the east coming to the west and and the things are just, you know, what we're used to. To I, I saw an interesting tweet from Jordan Scott, my my buddy, on Twitter. He, he said that yeah, the tweet on Twitter that's that's really smooth for me. So uh, <laughs> he said that Nuggets should try to sign Kevin Love in the off season if he wants to play for a minimum contract. The, does anybody of you, you know, have the the any feelings about it? I know I'm, we're jumping ahead too far. We need to speak about this season, but it's just a random thought. I wouldn't. I I'm think not you need really. Yeah. I, I would say defense. he doesn't fit. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I just think you need defensive guys. I mean, we got enough offense. So, loves a good rebounder, but he's he fell out of the rotation in the Cavs because he couldn't really make an impact anymore. So, I think his best days are behind him. It'd be like signing Millsap that last year. You know, but he's a different player than Millsap, even so. Guys that can't defend don't age well. Okay, no, not even for a for a for a bench guy playing for a minimum, like instead of DeAndre Jordan. Well, sure, if that's the alternative option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like another Jeff Green or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> the Nuggets right now have. Three players playing the five, which is pretty pretty rare these days. But I guess it's it's what was possible to happen at, at the end. But I have to say I'm happy with DeAndre Jordan being still on the roster. He seems like a great guy. And when you're approaching the the, the playoffs, you don't really care about the 14th or the 15th mm-hmm. spot on the roster. So it's it's quite fine. I or the say. ninth. <laughs> yeah, it's, he doesn't fit a need. Uh, I'd say there's still some talent there. And, and especially when you're talking about the bench, it's really hard to piece together like perfect chemistry there. That's more about your, your starting five. 
Um, so I'm not against it, but you know, that's, that's not, that's not doing anything. Yeah. If it was a vet minimum or something, I feel like a player like Kevin Love though, probably some bad team overpays for him or something. And it just wouldn't make sense for the Nuggets, but. He sh he should hire you know Gordon Hayward's agent because he kind of finds a way to to get a lot of money for his you know old and used up players. So <laughs> it's just a free free advice to Kevin Love. I like that guy. <laughs> okay, Nick. Yeah, I have a I have a philosophical question for you. Mm -hmm. So should the Nuggets? And I I already spoke about this several times. And I spoke to Jeremy about it, and he doesn't have the right to answer now because he already did, uh, <laughs> I think, last time he was here. So should the Nuggets even have bench minutes? Or should we just call those non-Jokic minutes? What do you think when, play when playoffs comes, like staggering all four starters with Jokic and just play like either Vlatko as a mini-me version of Jokic or... Thomas Bryant with the starters when when Jokic sits. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it's like eight minutes in the playoffs. And then so so is the idea then that you would have when you put Jokic back on, he would be on with four bench guys. The, he would actually like, be with four bench guys for the li like uh, three or four minutes in the middle of first quarter. Mm -hmm. And then he will sub out, you know, before the end of first quarter, and the, the starters would come back, something like that. You know, yeah, I don't hate like it. Um, I, I'm wondering, maybe, maybe that's a bit extreme, though. Um, you know, if you put Murray, there could be a scenario where you could keep Murray and MPJ together, m maybe with three bench guys, and then you're only going eight deep. Which I feel pretty comfortable with, um, nine deep with Bryant. I I really like Bryant's game. I don't know how, if Nuggets fans may have not watched a lot of him yet, but he was really productive for the Lakers uh, for a while uh, while AD was was hurt on his uh, his yearly month off. Um, <laughs> He's had like a 10, 10 game stretch, averaging twenty and twelve or something. Yeah, he like was that. he was really productive, uh, and so I think we could get something there you know I, I, I his game is is different than jokers obviously everybody's game is different than jokers um so you can't really like replicate that style and that's i think always going to be the problem here um if you're trying to like play Jokic ball when he's not on the floor I, I don't know that that's really doable but um yeah i mean i think they're gonna have to get creative though it, it, it can't be like a hockey line change where you just bring in the bench you know, by itself is currently constructed. There's going to have to be some kind of a continued, um, you know, you have to keep weaving Murray or MPJ in with, with those guys to get some more scoring. How about you, Pete? Do we have a... Um, I think this? it completely depends on the matchup. Uh, I like the idea against the some of the deeper teams. If you're talking about Memphis or the Clippers, I think that could make a lot of sense. But if you're playing a team like the Lakers or Suns or even the Mavericks, I'm not I'm not really that worried about our bench against those teams because those teams don't really have good benches either. So I think it you kind of have to, you know, they always say game one is a feel out game. I think we'll learn a lot about how much is gonna do the lineups after game one of the series. Jeremy, I I will allow you to to answer this again. <laughs> Every minute. 
played by every team in the NBA without Jokic is a non-Jokic minute. <laughs> that's where the NBA wow. is at. It's uh-huh. Jokic or it's nothing. That's that's deep. That's deep. You wanted a philosophical <laughs> answer, man. Yeah, that's it's very that's Hegelian sweet. of you. Wait, what'd you say? I said it's very Hegelian of you. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, this is the moment I would like to take a couple of minutes to talk about the Bones Highland saga. And I will give you only one sentence about it. I will let you guys give your thoughts. I just just wish all the best to Bones in his future career in the NBA or elsewhere. So (laughs) who wants to tackle the story that actually divided the Nuggets nation? (laughs) Glad it's over. That's my sense. Yeah. We get one sentence? No, no, no. Oh. You, you, you can have how, how, how many you want. It, Let me whip, whip up a haiku one. real quick. <laughs> um, he, uh, Bones, I mean, he's a terrible defender, which is always going to be a problem on a Mike Malone team, right? Just in terms of even him ever being happy with his game or trusting him. Um, so I, you know, he's, you know, there's these guys like, you know, at Westbrook is probably the, like the pinnacle of this, of the guys who just have flawed games, but they, people just like their attitude and, and they bring this kind of like X factor, uh, in, into games that can be really valuable. But I just think in, in his case, he's, I mean, he's not Westbrook. He's not that talented. Uh, maybe a little bit better shooter, which isn't hard. I'm a better shooter than Westbrook, but, um, it like, it's just not uh, worth it. I think on the, on this team right now. Like I think he, I, I think he's probably going to do better. I I don't even know if he'll survive on the Clippers. Really, he probably will get buried on the bench and he'll end up jumping around to a few teams. He needs to be on like a a build a rebuilding team where he can kind of figure out some stuff. I think he <laughs> and might be reliable. He might be behind Westbrook really soon. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they can swap some some tips or something <laughs> on how to uh, like like if you put them together, you'd have like a pretty a pretty good boneheaded player, like moderately boneheaded. Yeah, I mean, you could you could uh, compare his case to to Yusuf Norkic. I like to compare it more to to Jeremy Grant, mm-hmm. who decided to bet on himself and play somewhere with a bigger role. And he, it worked fine for Jeremy, you know, money-wise. He he's earned another big contract after the one he got from lousy Detroit. He chose, you know, instead of the the actual contender in Denver Nuggets. So yeah, good for him. I mean, I I I'm really not too too sad about losing a guy who is just not on the same timeline like like the team, mm-hmm. I guess. Are you taking the Jeremy Grant perspective because you just want to be positive or, or is there more to the story that, that we don't know about? No, I mean, the, the story is completely finished for me. I, I wanted closure and nothing is, uh, nothing is, is as clean as losing a guy in a, in the, you know, off season when he just leaves it's a bit messier when you need to do the trade and get something back from the other team and and so on and so so forth but yeah i i actually had some uh, some uh, 
feelings about bones like like a month or maybe even two months before the trade actually happened. So I am glad that that all of us should be happy right now. Bones and the nuggets, I guess. Yeah, Fair. I think if you if you look at the history of championship teams, outside obviously you got to have talent, but outside of that, I think they all have adults in the room. And so mm-hmm. I hope that isn't you know too disrespectful to say, but Bones just isn't as mature as the rest of the guys on the team right now. And I'm not saying he can't get there, but the time just didn't add up. And so it wasn't the right place and the right time for him right now. Okay, this is the last time I will mention Bones's Highland, uh, Bone Highland's name on this show. I don't want any, any residues from that. Okay, Jeremy, which Nuggets player do you want the most to explode in the last third of the season and the playoffs comparing to what we've seen so far? So which game do you want to be uh, elevated the most so the Nuggets could uh, get the most benefit from that. And plus, tell me about your feelings about playoff matchups versus serious teams like Suns, Grizzlies, or Warriors. I'm not including the Clippers there. Sorry. There was a very, 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 very obvious answer to this question of who needs to step up the most um, or catch fire to the end of the season. Very yeah, obvious answer to that question up until about a week ago. <laughs> and it's the guy you just said you don't want to hear anything about. Bones Highland was the one who obviously I think needed to to catch the most fire to, uh, I think, carry us forward. That's now over with. Um, I, I can't imagine anybody in our top five needing it. Our starters, I'll take them against anybody. So I'm looking for the bench. Again, the non-Jokic minutes to see the biggest improvement. Um, at this point, I, I don't even want to give it to any of the new guys, Reggie Jackson, um, Thomas Bryant. Um, and now at this point with the bench, it's kind of hard to see some of the roles on these guys. Um, Christian Brown, um, um, Chanchar, um, Jeff Green even. Like, who knows how many minutes these guys are going to be getting. Uh, so I'm not going to pick any of them. To me, it's going to be downtown Brown. Downtown Brown. Because uh, that guy, now at this point, um, it kind of feels like the bridge between the starters and the bench. He works really well with the starters. Um, and then we've just seen him totally pop off uh, and get hot from the three-point line. I think that that could be really useful um, playing next to Reggie Jackson or playing next to Jamal Murray, uh, which seems to be the go-to Malone strategy for uh, for the bench. Um, and actually, come to think of it, Reggie Jackson is kind of like a mini – Jamal Murray anyway, kind of like that two guard um, kind of a thing. So um, Brown can either get hot as like playing as a two next to one of these guys and and um, shooting the three, or he can also dish it out himself um, and give them a little pop, uh, Reggie Jack- Jackson and Jamal Murray. So I'm really excited to see if, I, I, if that guy gets hot, I think it really opens up a lot with our bench um, because he'll always be playing next to another playmaker in Reggie Jackson or Jamal Murray. And that just creates, uh, it opens up the floor a lot more. It's not just one guy getting it done like we saw with Bones Highland, just like driving to the hoop and then flying into the basket. Uh, it, it's it's actual um, mature offense with the ball 
popping around, as we know in Denver. So that, that's what I'm most excited for. I really hope that we see that. Peter? Um, nothing major, really. I feel like most guys have settled into their role, but I would like to see MPJ to continue to be aggressive because I think we've seen in the last month as his athleticism has started to come back, he's, he's starting to get more dunks, you know, attacking the basket more. So that's just another little wrinkle that they can add in the offense. I mean, even if he didn't do it, he was still a good player. But if he's able to get to the rim more and get more easy baskets, get more free throws, that's just going to help the offense even more. I, think- I have to say, sorry, I, I just want to, say, to, to, to hop on this, what Peter said. Interesting, if you speak to the Serbian Nuggets fans that don't watch every game, that are not as connected as uh, the other guys are, they will still tell you that that uh, Michael Porter is not a team player, he is not a smart, uh, high IQ player and stuff like that because they're not watching what was happening recently. And the buying he is showing lately is just mesmerizing for me. I'm I'm so loving that, and I really I'm really impressed. The thing is, I think if this guy was just able to play for the last five years continuously, he would be like I don't know what what the level of player he would be right now. Mm-hmm. It's just that he was stopped in his formative years. And he couldn't build on it because he was waiting for prolonged periods of time. And now he's catching on. And yes, I think he's still, you know, behind that age 24, 25, whatever he is right now, a level he should be based on his talent. But you know what? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm grabbing onto whatever we get from him and I'm really impressed with his buying. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, they're cruising right now, right? So, like, I I think what is more of the risk is somebody imploding than needing somebody to explode, right? Like, if can KCP keep shooting 48% or whatever from three the rest of the season? Yes. Uh, I think he can too, right? But, like, what happens for, you know, a month if he goes cold and then MPJ is, like, you know, out with a sore back? And, you know, those are the kinds of things I'm more concerned about, I think, than really rooting for some player who's been struggling or something to get to get rolling like it they're they are rolling i mean that dallas game they coasted they like that was not even you know a difficult uh challenge for them Jokic didn't have to score he was just he was distributing and murray's you know wasn't even playing so um not to say that it's going to be a cakewalk through the playoffs i'm not saying that but like the Things are going well. They're gelling. Everybody's kind of in their role right now. So I think if they can keep that going, if we can avoid any like disastrous injuries, which is obviously just a you know random thing we can't control for, but that combined with uh, y- you know anybody taking a step backward, having a, a cold spell, any of these shooters really slumping or something like that, I think that's probably what we're hoping for. Yeah, I I just wanted to 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 get one more comment in here when Jeremy mentions Christian Brown. I was thinking about the bench lineup of Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Vlatko Cancar, and Nikola Jokic. I feel like those four could be like pretty good Jokic players, from pretty good to really great Jokic players. And you know, if they if if Reggie Jackson would be good enough on defense, that could be a really, really good uh, good uh, 
matchup for, for any bench in the playoffs. I'm just not sure about that part. I need to see Reggie play to see if if it's really you know viable in in 2023, because he was a, like a master of playoffs just a couple of years ago mm-hmm. for the Clippers. Yeah, he seems like a guy who um, it seems like it goes. He turns it on and then he turns it off. So. It, it didn't seem like he had it on earlier this season. We'll see if he's able to do that again. Um, yeah, I mean, that that could be a great lineup. Um, but then again, that's Jokic. <laughs> like, I was I was wondering where you were going with that, and then you ended it with Jokic. It's kind of like a cheat button. <laughs> it is. It is. But, cheat but code. there are some kind of guys you don't want to waste Jokic's minutes with. Mm. So I'm I'm pretty fine with all of these guys I mentioned. I mean, Reggie Jackson is still an open book. I, I don't know how it will look like, but I have a feeling it, it could be pretty good. Um, Miroslav, I just want to make a quick comment on Reggie Jackson. I think that, you know, he wasn't really that good on defense this year, but I don't expect him to be great. But I think when you're a veteran and you've been in the NBA that long, he at least knows where to be. So there's going to be some times where he gets picked on or where he gets beat. But it's never going to be for a lack of trying or just like not paying attention. And I think sometimes when Bones would mess up on defense, it's kind of one of those backbreaking plays where the other guys are looking at him like, man, what the hell is this guy doing? And I don't think that's going to happen with Reggie. So it's not always just that a team scored two points. How they scored really can affect team morale and togetherness. And the fact that Bones isn't there to make those plays anymore just helps the overall team chemistry, I think. Now I know why you brought Peter on. You need someone who actually knows what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of did. <laughs> I needed at least one level-headed guy on, on the panel, so that's yeah, that's that was the reasoning for me. No, it's okay. a great, it's a great point though. Like the bench needs to not lose games for us, right? Like you don't need the bench to win games. We need the bench to not lose games. I I think right. I mean, right. I, I guess it can depend on the game, but too often I think the bench has just been a, a black hole for this this team. Um, yeah, where I think upgrade, I think you can upgrade by just you know maybe you take away a little explosiveness, a little firepower with bones, but it could be overall should be an upgrade just to not lose games. I do have a quick cool. stat that I forgot to mention that Nick just segued to. With out of twenty five five man lineups. Over 20 minutes played. This is a question for everybody. Ten of those uh, have a negative net rating. How many of those do you think Bones was a part of? Miroslav, let's start with you. Oh, it's it's a mad question, actually. Uh, ten in the negative. So, like, uh, ten? Yeah. <laughs> all of them was my answer also yeah. all right we can just skip everybody yeah uh, he was in five of them uh, oh, okay okay yeah okay and he had three he had three in the positive uh but five in the negative so nick i think that just totally hammers home your point mm-hmm. uh maybe there's some firepower that we take out of there but uh i think there's an obvious theme to our net rating uh that can definitely be improved um and maybe reggie jackson's the right guy for it Okay, this is a good place to to make a short commercial break. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. 
It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. Peter, do you yes. think the Nuggets are significantly more capable of defending spread pick and roll comparing to two years ago when CP3 destroyed us by shooting 110% from the free throw range? Or do you think it is the offensive firepower that should give us, you know, most of our extra confidence come playoff time? Oh, I'm much more confident in the defense now. I mean, you know, we started off the season kind of rough. Um, I think the players all talked about it, just having so many new players trying to build the chemistry. But uh, I did pull up some stats. So Nuggets are currently have a defensive rating of 114, which is 15th in the league, so right in the middle. But we all know they started off so poorly. I think they were in the, the mid or even the late 20s. So they've been a top 12, top 10 defense the, you know, basically since Christmas. Um, uh, looking at 538, they got a stat called Raptor War, so wins above replacement. The only negative player on the whole team that's getting rotation minutes was Christian Brown, and we think of him as a defender. Um, the worst net rating was was Bones Highland at minus 8.4, and uh, his defensive rating is even worse. It was 119. The next closest worst on the team is uh, Jeff Green and DeAndre both at 115 and DeAndre's cut out of the rotation now. And Jeff, it looks like we don't know. It seems like, I think from what we've heard is maybe Mocha already talked to him and said, you know, Vlock goes ahead of you now. So there's probably going to be games where maybe Jeff Green doesn't even get run. So I think just cutting out the fat, right. You know, just losing Bones Highland, unfortunately is kind of addition by subtraction on defense. And this, this might, might surprise you guys. The next worst defender, um, from defensive rating was actually Bruce Brown from the guys that get minutes and then Christian Brown and, and then Jamal, everybody else was under 112 defensive rating. So actually pretty good. Um, and this, like seeing all the defensive stats kind of made me realize two big things. Number one, Michael Porter has come a long way. Um, I'm not going to say he's a lockdown guy, but where he was two years ago in that sun series, they were just picking on the whole time. And then now I can't forget that Christmas game this year where Chris Paul is trying to score on him and he can't shake him. And not only can he not shake him, but if you remember, he had that one play where Chris Paul literally went up to shoot and then halfway realized, oh, crap, I can't get this off. I have to pass it out. You almost never see NBA players do that. That's embarrassing, you know, and that's like he didn't expect Michael Porter to be there with him. And then the other thing that that kind of made me realize is, you know, the numbers of the guys who had good defensive and good and bad defensive numbers is. I still don't think the rest of the NBA has caught on to how good Jokic is like he's not. Uh, you know, rim protector, shot blocker type, but he's such a good defender in other areas that are less loud that I think Porter being next to him and other starters being next to him helps their numbers. Whereas Bruce Brown, Christian Brown and Jamal, they play a lot more with the bench, right? So their numbers aren't as good. 
And uh, that's just an interesting thing that I noticed. Yeah, just to piggyback on the MPJ point, I think he's really learned how to use his length a lot more. His, you know, he's never going to be super quick uh, and and keep up with guys or keep them in front of him. But I think he's really learning how to use that that length that he has on on the wing. He's not quick, but he is fast because he has a very very long you know mm. steps he makes, so he can catch up guys from mm. behind really really solidly. And He's starting to, the, to process the game better, too. Mm. I think credit to the coaching staff. As much as fans of the Nuggets mm. or pretty much any NBA team hate to do it, um, credit to the coaching staff to um, not only work with these people um, and improve their positioning and things like that, but also to put them in the right situation to leverage their, their abilities. Um, as Nick mentioned, his length, I think they're doing a good job of that. Uh, and then likewise with Peter's stats, like I think at Christian Brown – if you watch him play, you know he's a good defender. So when you start looking at these things like the negative net rating uh, or the uh, defensive rating, look at who he was playing next to. He was his minutes came next to Bones. That's a unit that just um, you you take order and then it just like spills out like a glass, <laughs> like my espresso earlier. Like yeah. you, you just you don't have that in there. And so by maybe bringing in a Reggie Jackson or something like that who knows how to play the position better. Um, that might just kind of add something to it. And Christian Brown's defensive stats might go up as a result. Yeah. If I can piggyback on that real quick, the uh, the comparison you made about his most of his minutes being next to Bones, it's like in football. If you have one uh, you know defensive lineman that isn't getting any push, you know they're just going to keep running the ball right past that guy. If there's a linebacker who can't tackle, you know you're going to attack him until you make him take him off field. Basketball is even worse because it's it's five on five. So literally you're 20% of the defense. And if you can't guard anybody, they're just going to keep attacking over again. So by taking Bones out, everybody else's defensive number should be better. Yeah, yeah, the, the linebackers are the worst. <laughs> we get a vote for uh, whether, whether we like football analogies better or, or espresso analogies. <laughs> I want to see a little competition here. <laughs> That's fair. I wanted to piggyback on, on what Nick said about uh, Michael Porter using his length really, really well this season. There's all there's that joke from The Simpsons when Homer Simpson speaks to his father, Abraham, and he says, Dad, you were never proud of me. And he said, no, that's not true. I was always proud for you not being a short person. <laughs> so <laughs> MPJ was always really, really good at being 6'10 with a ratchet <laughs> and now he knows right. what he's actually doing on the court and that's that's just amazing i'm i'm really happy with his development okay next subject nick sir if we ever get the episode three of the breaking basketball and just for the people that haven't listened yeah. to it it was a documentary style nuggets story about the events that haven't happened yet and if we were to prepare ourselves for the third championship parade in June 2025, what would be the main headline describing that three-peat team? I mean, the Spurs had the beautiful game, the Warriors had the unstoppable offense, the Lakers had the one-two punch that was unmatched, the Bulls, you know, had Michael and Pippen, who were maybe the best defensive duo of all time, on top of MJ being the GOAT. What would be the undeniable strength of this Nugget team going forward? Uh, 
that would result in a dynasty. And by the way, the old soap opera dynasty with John Forsythe and Joan Collins, that was the only reason former Yugoslavia heard of Denver before Nikola Jokic. Just, <laughs> I just want to make this, this clear. So what would be what would be the the main the main thing about that team? Yeah, if, I mean I, if they would become a dynasty. Something I don't have a I don't have a great like witty phrase here yet. Um maybe I'll think of one as I'm talking, but uh something like the beautiful game I, I think is more what we're looking at here. I, I think it's a it's a style of team basketball at, at passing and, and where the where the sum is is greater than the pieces. Right. So Jokic is a phenomenal talent, but part you know, he's not a phenomenal talent in the way that I don't know, Dame Lillard is or something. Like he he's not a guy that just takes over a game by himself and like will or even like maybe Shaq would be a good you know player to compare him to for what he's not, right? Like he's he, he's not gonna score like 45 by just dunking in the paint over and over and over again on teams just beating them down that can work i mean it's worked in the past but that's just not that's not what makes him great and that's not the style that works for this team and the team is very much now built to maximize that style and i think the dallas game was a great example of where like you know you look at Jokic's numbers we had triple double again um but that was a comfortable game for him. You know, it was just, you know, passing, letting other guys, you know, do the scoring. He doesn't have the need to be the go-to guy on every play. Like and somebody like Jordan just wasn't that Like Jordan had to be the guy, right? Like on, and he had to be the one taking the game winning shot. And he, and that worked, you know, if you have Jordan, then you build around that. But um, I think for the nuggets, it really is. Yeah. Something, something about the, 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 the dynamic of the sum being greater than the, than the individual pieces. A beautiful Anybody game. Else? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I like that. Uh, you going to go give that to Bill Simmons and stab me in the back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this was a very insane. What you joke. don't realize, Miroslav, is nobody that, uh, outside of me understood this yeah, joke. Episode three, episode, it was planned to not have an episode three. You see, that was all part of the, the original <laughs> idea. Um, <laughs> it was part of the mockumentary, you know, like. Uh, because it all broke apart in, in episode two. So you guys can all go back and listen to that if you're really bored. Yeah, just um, go back to Denver Steve's podcast <laughs> channel and just browse the dig episodes and you'll find it. Yeah. I I kind of think that they could get away with winning three championships and still have only one all-star player. Mm-hmm. Like, I I could imagine them having... Like you have Jokic now with 25 points, Jamal with 20, Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter with 17. And you don't get to be the all-star with 17 points per game. But you don't need more than that. If you add up all of those uh, huge point totals, you will just get the best mm-hmm. offense ever. So I mean, if they start winning championships, you, you, Murray they, will they start, you know, start being respected yeah. the way that like Tony Parker was on the Spurs or something. Like where you look at his numbers and some of the years that he went to the all-star game, they weren't like you know, outstanding numbers, but you know, it, his game was respected to the point that players were willing to put him in. And the French um, accent. The right, yeah. And the, you know, wife, the whole thing. Yeah, I, I think the reputation matters a lot because if I think back to 2015, I'm pretty sure Steph and David Lee were the only All-Stars on the Warriors. And David Lee was benched for Draymond by then. So mm-hmm. I don't think uh, people really caught on to how good Draymond and Clay were until 
they won the whole championship. So I think it's kind of the similar effect with the Nuggets. They have to win, and then they'll start to get more respect. And they're I not was, on the coasts, so you're just never going to have four I, All-Stars. I would so love for the, the Warriors to trade Draymond to Houston and see how good he is over there. <laughs> imagine, oh, he would, imagine he'd punch Draymond. those guys, too. <laughs> he would. I just want to put him in a non-ideal, you know, <laughs> circumstance just to see how good he, he actually can be. I mean, he might be really good. I think he'll end up getting overpaid by the Pistons, you know, coming home and oh, they, like want, to, they want to grow up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really not sure they, they will be uh, able to, to, to retain him for next season. There, there are some rumblings about that over there. Okay, I don't care about the, the Warriors, yeah. at least not yet. Jeremy, what would be the easiest and what would be the most satisfying path to the championship in these playoffs? So pick the ideally easy schedule for the Nuggets and then give me what would give you the most oomph from, uh, from the... I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... That's too much for me, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna smash them together, all right? Okay. okay. Um, so the first part of that would be let's assume we're going to be first, right? So that we're talking about the eighth seed. We're talking about somebody in the playing tournament. Um, that's something like, you know, right now that the Thunder, Jazz, Trailblazers, Lakers are all the ones kind of fine for that. Uh, Warriors in there too. Um, so it's just kind of like all those teams for the most part are just, they're all awful uh, in their own way. Uh, the Warriors, I think, are the one team that a lot of people would want us to avoid. And that's exactly why I want to play them. That's my road. Uh, I mean, it, there's like a certain poetry to it. Go, going back to Peter mentioned 2015, wasn't it uh, like 2013 when uh, the Nuggets had their best season record ever? And then all of a sudden these no-name Golden State Warriors killed us, went on to start their decade of, of dominance in the NBA. Um I feel That's like we were at the game, Jeremy, where that really, where it really broke open, where it was like it was just three, it was the three parade game, it just right. broke our life. Because they won the first one, and then uh, the second one, I think, is is the one that we went to. And I get crap because I was actually cheering for Stephen Curry because I loved him in college, and I was like, oh, these Warriors are going to be destroyed anyway. Like, let's cheer on the the Stephen game, and then all of a sudden, I look like an idiot. But. Uh, so, yeah, I want some poetry here. Like, sports is all about, like, bathing in the blood of your enemies. Like, I <laughs> want the Warriors. I want that to be our path. It would be very poetic for us to go in there and be the ones who ended their reign in the NBA only to start our own. So, give me the Warriors in the first round. Let's let's kill them. Uh, from there, actually, things do look pretty good for us in the number one spot because the, the, Sun, the Suns and the Grizzlies are pretty much locked in at two and three, I think which means we have the Kings, Mavs, or Clippers uh, probably that we would end up in the second round. Um, and, I mean, I guess we could start with uh, the lowest talent group, I think, is the Kings. Um, so I would love to, to have them. Um, the Mavs, I think we match up actually probably better than any team in the NBA. We, we are them just, like, better at every step of the way. Um, and then the Clippers, like, we've got a good history, obviously, there with beating them, but um, they also had the most talent. 
and we are just all kind of humans as much as we want to say oh we've got the clippers numbered um this these are games that still have to be played out um it's not a computer simulation and so i just much rather have the kings in that matchup so give me the warriors and then the kings um and then from there, I, I would really hope that we got the Grizzlies. Because if the Suns are our Western Conference matchup, that means that they were healthy. Like, that's what we're kind of looking for is, is are they going to be healthy or not? Uh, and if they are healthy, then, then you know, God save us from, from that group of talent. Um, and if they're there in the Western Conference finals, then that means that they probably are healthy. So, uh, so that, that's my path. Warriors, uh, Kings, Grizzlies. Okay. So Peter, you probably remember this. Uh, if you're you're a Broncos fan, right? Yeah. Um. So when the Broncos were were on their Super Bowl runs, uh, well, the first one they went on, they were like twelve and four that year, I think. Um, they ended up playing three of the four teams that beat them in their run to the Super Bowl that year, and so it became known as the Revenge Tour, and that became like the thing for the like for their playoff run right like that was people had hats and shirts and stuff that said like revenge tour or whatever you know like by the by the time they got to the championship game um i kind of like that idea for a, for a nuggets run something that kind of like gels the mission i don't know or like whatever like so if it, if it played out that way lakers warriors suns three teams that have yeah. all like given us fits wow. over the years right like i i think that could be a fun uh, it would be a challenge. Obviously, there's easier paths for sure, like Jeremy just laid out. But you know, if you're gonna play um, one of the <laughs> get to the fi- if you're gonna get to the finals and win it, which is we all, what we all are hoping for, uh, you, you know, you're gonna have to be playing darn good basketball because the East is loaded, like we were talking about earlier. So um, why not? Like, why not just go through the gauntlet and, and get ready for that? What about you, Pete? You have some references yeah i'm the complete opposite like i i think it's cool and all it'd be a great story to beat all the teams we hate but give me give me blazers or thunder in round one you know i i always want to play the teams that are gonna have the least amount of opposing fans in ball arena so give me blazers or okc in round one <laughs> give me kings in round two and then give me memphis in game three i really don't care if the rest of the country is watching or not i just want the nuggets to win <laughs> That's that's really fair. <laughs> that's really fair. Do you have a preference between the Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks at the at the finals, or and do you maybe think there's a third team that could get out of the East? I would rather play the Bucks because I think that Giannis, um, in the high level moments, kind of gets tunnel vision, and I think we've proven that we're pretty good at making it hard for him. I, he's still going to get his numbers, but I'm just not sure that he's able to help his teammates as good as Jokic, obviously. But I just think the Celtics are a much more balanced team. I think they're harder to figure out. I think that would be a heavyweight fight where it'd be really close, but I kind of feel like the, the Bucks are a little more solvable than the Celtics. No love for the 76ers then. Well, I mean, Embiid's just going to get tired in like round two, so I'm not really worried about him. No, he won't even make it. <laughs> he can, well, he mean, can get through a second round series. Yeah, yeah, he, he first needs to get out of the. Well, my dream scenario is they that the Sixers get the Heat in round one. I mean, the Heat they always have like 
a really great punch for whoever they're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I I feel be- better if the if the Sixers made it to the finals. I don't love that matchup for the Nuggets. Honestly, I, I think I'd rather have the Bucks or the or the Celtics. I don't know why. It's just a gut feeling at this point, but. It would be fitting, uh, just with a heat comment, for uh, Jimmy Butler to uh, mm. to put an end to uh, Embiid's playoff run. Yeah, that'd be or the, the whole the whole Sixers team. Yeah, just one thought. We mentioned the Dallas Mavericks and Luca, and you know I love Luca because you know he's part Serbian. I, I I really like the part of his game that is the beautiful game that's very similar to what Nikola Jokic does. But on the other hand, there are like those twenty possessions when he just fires away from 40 feet for no good reason at all. And I would be devastated to have to cheer for that every <laughs> night during the during the year. That would be exhausting. So thank you, Nicola, for, for being there. That's yeah. That's such a relief. And I can I can't cheer for any team with Kyrie Irving on it, obviously. So oh the the big stabilizer for yeah. the Nuggets. <laughs> well you won't have to worry about cheering for the Mavericks. Because he's going to end up in some sort of weird protest. Or That's something. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he, the day he's going to actually come on to the onto the uh, court wearing a swastika one day, and the NBA is just going to be like, "No, we're going." I'm a little worried about Kyrie. I don't know if he's got enough vegan options in Dallas, Texas. <clears throat> I think we have the start to season three of Breaking Basketball here. You see. You see, it, it, the protest would be against the Dallas Mavericks chefs yeah, because <laughs> they're not doing the, the right job. Can you imagine living in Dallas and just being like, no, I'm, I'm good on barbecue. I'm not going to eat any. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the only reason to go to Texas. <laughs> okay. So let's get back to reality. We are in the middle of the, the All-Star weekend. And I promised to the people the pitchforks. So in a couple of hours, there's going to be the three-point contest at the All-Star Weekend with no participants from Ugh. NBA's top three-point shooting team, which is, by the way, running away with the one seed in the West. KCP and MPJ are both deserving of the chance to be there. And frankly, Jamal, too, because of the bigger you know, star power, even though his percentages are not as high as of those two. So use this space to express your feelings toward the NBA as an organization and their ways of giving honors to its best teams. Whoever wants to start. I'll be right back. (laughs) That was too much, I guess. Nick is really an artist. Yeah. (laughs) Should we all just leave the unified protest? (laughs) <laughs> he's got the fist yeah nick you have to uh you have to explain what you're doing to anybody listening that was the hulk fist <laughs> burn it all down it's absolutely a joke julius randall is in the three-point competition did i hear that correctly this week yeah he, i think he's the injury replacement and they've they actually called kcp as an injury replacement and he said F you, I'm yeah. off to Cabo. So, oh, good for him. So, so yeah. But yeah, but yeah, Julius Randle. 126th like... or something in the NBA in three point percentage, I think I heard Julius Randle is. Uh, this is an absolute joke. I have like, to watch and, the, the three NBA... point shootout right now because of him. 
<laughs> yeah, because I, I expect like Antoine Walker level of awfulness. Right, it's gonna be him. yeah. He's 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 gonna make like one. <laughs> um, uh, the NBA apparently gave the reason that KCP isn't a volume three point shooter, which uh, I sure I, I I don't care enough to go back and look. But I bet if we went back through the history of the three point <laughs> competition, there have been a ton of guys who are not volume three point shooters, right? Um, you, imagine in the eighties, so. nobody shot more than two three pointers per game anyway. Yeah. So we know like, it's entirely about ratings. Like Craig Hodges is a three-time three-point mm-hmm. shooting champion, and he probably never Fairly shot played. more than, than three three-pointers per game. Yeah. Yep. So, so he good. sucked. <laughs> Jeremy. I, I, it, you know, as we listen, I listen to other podcasts and and everything, and I have never been more bored of this week of podcasts because the All Star Game is so awful mm-hmm. uh i i actually really like your idea of um you know maybe maybe they realized that they were kind of uh falling short and so they just took it the other way let's get reins out of how pure awful this can be like a train wreck <laughs> and uh, i'm just i'm picturing uh julius randall just you know oh. knocking these off the back of the the backboard and entire stadium just silent in horror as they watch one after the other uh, I mean, I would watch that. That's that's going to be the closest thing to bring me to watching the All-Star Games is by shocking Dude. just how bad it is. You're on to something here. Saturday night should be the, the worst players in the NBA. Like, oh, they, no, no. They, they're in the dunk competition. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> like, yeah. Great point. Yeah, great point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the anti-All-Star game. They're like, you only, you only get, you can only even be eligible if you have had like five like did not plays in the in the season or something have it like the yeah oh and maybe you put them against like the all the WNBA all-star team or something i don't know we Nick. could come up with something uh, peter are you mad about this are you are you, <laughs> are you glad for this or are you just you know don't care about uh, it? yeah i'm i'm actually in the minority here i'm not really upset about it at all um i do feel bad for gordon and murray and and KCP that they got slighted, but I kind of look at this as like, Hey, it's motivation. You know, the league doesn't respect you. The league doesn't want to showcase you, you know, that, but I'm used to this. Like this is, they've been doing this to the nuggets for years. So I wasn't surprised, you know, I just hope that they can use it for motivation. And, uh, you know, if we raise a banner in the, in the summer, nobody's going to remember this. Do, Do you think that San Antonio Spurs after winning five championships, got any more attention comparing to what they used to before yeah it's a good question really. the big the big question back then was like oh they're a small small market team that's doing well and a lot of people were kind of um questioning the nba's uh lack of respect for them mm-hmm. that's a good point and they won five Miroslav. five you know when I feel like I remember the first big time that the Spurs were a national conversation? They had a national TV game in Miami and Popovich and Duncan and Parkley home like the night before because it was like a five-game road trip and it was back-to-back. And he's like, you guys aren't playing. And it was a huge deal and they got fined. And this was like – they were like the inventors of don't play guys on yep. back-to-back. So yep. as, mu- as much as fans complain about the NBA now – the Spurs actually kind of started doing this first. 
I remember true. that. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yeah. Maybe they were just sick of works. nobody talking about him. So they said, F you. So like, we'll just do our thing <laughs> and, and we'll win a couple more championships, I guess. I, I used to be a huge fan of David Robinson, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, I, I loved great. his game. And I know, I'm know i not sure I would love it, uh, you know, the same way like I did when I was a kid. Because, you know, I loved the dunks and I loved everything he was mm-hmm. able to do on the court. He's the admiral. I mean, yeah, he was a pretty old rookie. He was like 25 when he mm. came to the to the to the league. So he yeah. was a completely formed player. He knew everything about the so game. So was Duncan, remember? He, he yeah, but he was much younger. Yeah, yeah, relatively. But he was one of the last like full four-year guys that was a huge star. Yeah. Yeah. So good 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 for them. And I guess nobody nobody paid any more attention to them, if even after five championships. So yeah, let's let's not. Yeah, I mean they got respected up. more, like you know, like we were talking about earlier about guys making all star games and stuff once they started winning. But yeah, I, I think people respected them as a basketball team. They were never the story, though. It's always been the it's it's always about the Lakers, you know, whatever. All right, if we don't have anything more to add, this is all we've prepared for you in this episode of Serbian Corner. Be sure to listen to Peter and his co-host Ray on the Four Corners Nuggets podcast and fill DMs of the other two guys, uh, you know, on this panel with unpleasant messages until they <laughs> finally get together and do a new episode of The Dig. That's true. We Thank- never actually officially canceled The Dig, did we? So yeah, sort of yeah. that's why I'm pushing you. Yeah, We have a new episode coming out. That's Just right. <laughs> Yeah, just wait. Jeez, we're just gonna steal yours and piece it together. So, thank you for you guys being are like a rock band. Next album's in the works. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're in the sign up for our Patreon right now. They they have like seven years of work between two albums. So yeah, that's that's the create. They, you're like in India right now, like the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, like the, you just made me hungry. Yeah, that's man. smart. <laughs> okay, so everybody. Thank you for being masochistic enough to stay with us all the way to this sentence and go Nuggets.